Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Fana Jaffiwal. Today is Tuesday, July 20th. That was Alice and Max welcoming you to the podcast. Alice is in her 60s. Max is 18 years old. And on today's show, the two are going to face off in a competition that will determine nothing less than the future of two entire generations. We are pitting young against old on the show today in a battle for jobs in a recession. And here to help me referee this match is NPR's New York correspondent, Robert Smith. Great to be here. Normally I sit in the opposite cubicle farm from Planet Money, but today I'm sitting in for Alex Bloomberg for a couple weeks. We're very happy to hear you, and Alex is out for a very happy reason. He and his wife, Nazanin, just had a baby boy, Calvin, who we all just met on Skype. He is very cute. He's Planet Money's first human dividend. Congratulations to the Bloomberg Ruffs and Johnny clan, and uh, I'm excited to be here for the world's most uncomfortable job (laughs) interview coming up for your educational pleasure. Okay, but first we need to do our Planet Money Indicator. We have Jacob Goldstein here to deliver it. Today's Planet Money Indicator, 5%. 5%. That sounds okay. It's not super sexy, I know, but... But trust me, it's really rich with context. Uh, As usual. Great context today. But first, the not sexy part. Housing starts declined by 5% in June, according to government figures out today. Okay. I feel like I've heard this before on the podcast. Indicators about weakness in the housing market. Yes, this is the rich with context part. (laughs) So if you look over the course of the past few years, you see what's really a pretty coherent story that plays out across a bunch of different uh, housing indicators, right? So basically, you have the housing bubble popping in 2006 and things falling really sharply for a couple of years. Then everything bottoms out in 2009 and starts to come back through the end of last year and into the beginning of this year. And then in the past few months, things have started to fall again. We've seen lots of weakness in housing market indicators. But the thing that's consistent is that little bounce that we saw across all those housing indicators was at least partly because the government was doing a huge amount to prop up the housing market. One of those government programs, the home buyer tax credit, that just ended. Well, it's complicated, but the simplest way to say it is it ended at the end of April. So there are a few possibilities when we look now at what's going on. On the one hand, we know that the home buyer tax credit must have compelled at least some people who were planning to buy a house this summer to hurry up and buy a house this spring before that tax credit expired. So what we could be seeing right now is just a little like hiccup where we have these declines driven by those people who would have bought in the summer but got, got pulled into the spring. Now, on the other hand, maybe that government program just postponed a more significant decline in the housing market. If that's the case, we could see all these housing indicators continue to decline for a while now. And really, it'll probably be a few months before we can tell which one of these scenarios is playing out. Okay. Well, thanks for the hiccups, Jacob. Thanks, guys. Okay. So today on the show, we are doing a fake job interview to illustrate a very real economic point. And it's, it's a fact that sort of struck all of us in the office recently. The fact is this. There are now more people past retirement age in the workforce than teenagers, than teen workers. And that's the first time this has happened since at least 1948, when the Bureau of Labor Statistics first started doing this survey. So we thought it was sort of interesting. Robert, tell them what you said when I told you that. It means there are more people in the workforce who remember the birth of the DMZ than watch TMZ. (laughs) Okay. So we wanted to bring in a representative from each generation for the show today to ask economically who is in worse shape. 
Is it a senior who can't quit their job because they need the money, or is it a teenager who can't get a job? And we'll talk to an economist that says that one of our job candidates, spoiler alert here, one of our job candidates may be living with the consequences of this recession for a very long time. We don't want to psych them out before the interview even starts. So here they are. They're talking to us from Hillsborough, North Carolina. My name is uh, Max Marion Spencer. I'm 18. And right now for a living, I'm trying to find a job. And, and I'm Alice Terry. I'm 62, and I'm working as an educator at a local high school. And you two actually know each other? Yes. I'm Alice's grandson. Yeah, I was there when Max was born. It makes for a little bit of an awkward job interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little bit about the job we have here. The official title is Human Manifestation of an Economic Trend. So we're going to choose someone to be our generational spokesperson. Are you ready to do this job? Uh, it sounds like an interesting experience, other than working at a fast food restaurant or a grocery store. <laughs> Are those all things you've applied for, Max? Uh, yes, actually. I've applied to Quiznos, Wendy's, McDonald's, Arby's, Harris Teeter, Food Lion, Dollar General. All turned you down? Yeah, I would assume so at this point. <laughs> Oh, so Max is doing a pretty good job at this point convincing us he is the perfect generational symbol. You know, all those jobs, all jobs that you think of when you think of teenagers applying for jobs, he thought would be easy to get, but he found out that many of them are already taken. But I should say that Alice, his grandmother, is also a near-perfect demographical representative herself. She's a baby boomer. She's nearing retirement, but she's in no hurry to get out of the workforce. I don't think I'm going to ever leave the job world. I, I honestly don't think so. I, I don't really have an investment for, portfolio to fall back on. Um, I am really grateful that I'm able to work and I enjoy my job. So, Robert, let's just pause the interview for just a couple minutes because I have sort of a more of an economist kind of question, which is just are these two stories really connected? Is there a direct correlation? You know, does grandma and grandpa sticking around in the job market mean that there really are fewer jobs for their grandchildren? You're right. We're going to need an economist. Here I am. Well, you know, a, a strong English accent is preferred for this job. Oh, right. Well, that's good because I've got one of those. This is Ian Shepherdson with High Frequency Economics. He says that having more retirees than teenagers working, it's a striking fact, he admits it, but there are a lot of different trends hidden in this factoid. It's partly a demographic story just because there are a lot of old, more older people around, but it's also partly an economic story as well because I suspect that quite a lot of these older workers would like to be retired by now, but having seen their retirement accounts stagnating at best over the last decade, maybe they're having to work for longer. And you can't say that that reaction is directly responsible for the drop in teenage employment. The number of teenagers in the workforce has been going down since around 1980, but it really plunged during the recession. I think a lot of younger people now are recognizing that there are so few jobs around for people uh, graduating high school or, or even graduating college with a first degree that uh, it doesn't really pay them to dive straight into the labor force now. They're choosing to, to defer their labor force entry because they know that simply there aren't any jobs around now. Okay, so each generation has their own reasons for getting in and out of the job market. Yeah, it's not like Max and Alice are competing for the exact same job. I mean, she's a teacher and he's looking for anything he can find, mostly retail work. Although I did talk to a few grandparent-grandchild pairs where it did seem like there was a pretty direct 
connection. I talked to this one 71-year-old Ohio former police officer who he retired and left the force but then realized he needed money. So he went back to work. He found a job as a night guard. And when we were talking, he told me, you know, his job is a job that his grandson would probably be qualified for. And his grandson, like Max, can't find work right now. See, normally it would be so ridiculous to have this conversation because normally there's enough job growth to give plenty of opportunities for both the young and the old. There's lots of entry-level jobs. There's plenty of jobs for people to stick around. There are new night guardsmen jobs, but, you know, there's also new teachers. But this is not a normal time. The fact is that the number of jobs in the U.S. economy right now is not increasing. Uh, so for every older person who would have retired but hasn't, there's there's an opening there that, that uh, is not currently available. There really is a sort of a literal truth to the idea that an older person in a job is keeping a younger person out of a job because we're not seeing that normal expansion in the overall number of jobs available. This is what's referred to technically as the cage match situation. <laughs> Two generations go in, but only one generation comes out. <laughs> well, good luck trying to get this grandmother and grandson to trash talk each other. It is not happening. They are so adorable with yes, each other. She is like the typical, very, very sweet grandmother. But Max said there is some generational tension when he goes to interview for these jobs. One place. <laughs> I applied for a job right there. It was actually a paper application. And within probably 20 feet of me, there were probably like five or six employees who were senior citizens. And they were just all kind of sitting around not doing anything. Now, we're going to ask you to be a little honest here because that's one of the job qualifications to, uh, to be <laughs> a, a human manifestation of an economic trend. What were you thinking then? I mean, I'm not going to judge them and say that they shouldn't have those jobs or stuff like that. But... um. But you did kind of want to say that you can do it better. Yeah, without a doubt, I definitely could do it better. So, Alice, what, what do you think of that idea? Like, are you keeping Max out of the job market? People like you keeping jo Max out of the job market? Well, people older than Max, yes, I guess I am. Uh, as long as I'm teaching, my job's taken. So what do we do, kick older people off to the curb or what? You know, I mean, there's an issue here. You know, it's, it's um, I feel still competitive. And if I feel I'm not competing, if I'm start, starting to go on the, the decline, then I, I would hope that I'd be wise enough to step back and, and give my seat to someone else. Okay. You want competitive? We'll give you competitive. Let's do this thing. There's only one Planet Money job available. Who's it going to be? My people skills are, are pretty good. What else? I've got wisdom to bring <laughs> to the table, one would hope. Um, so, Max, you're facing some tough competition here. What do you bring to the table that perhaps your grandmother doesn't? <laughs> you can give me a bad job, and I'll still probably have to keep it because I can't find any other jobs. So desperation. Yeah, that's, that's definitely <laughs> one. <laughs> I mean, I know how to use a computer, I guess. Can I interrupt? <laughs> Max, I, will you bring, you bring a, a future with you. If you have a job that you really like, you can commit to it for you know, endlessly. Yeah. I think that that's something that's really important. <laughs> Max should bring Alice to his job interviews. I think it would help him. She's great. <laughs> so economists don't care about age. They don't care that Max is 18 or that Alice is 62. They basically just say what matters is how productive a worker is. But that doesn't mean that the stakes are the same for a 62-year-old and an 18-year-old. And that future thing that Alice brings up at the end, economists, when they think about Max's future, they're not that sunny. Again with the economists. You have plenty of money. You got to have more economists. Okay, okay, fine. We need another economist. 
Hi, my name is Till von Wachter. I'm an associate professor at Columbia University. So we have in this story an English accent. Now we get to have a, a German accent too. Oh, I could I could make an Italian accent. Actually, half my family's Italian. That's more interesting than the German accent. When Professor von Wachter lived in Germany, he had always heard about how resilient the U.S. economy was. The assumption was that okay, sure, during a recession, young people lose jobs, but when the economy returns, those jobs come back, and everybody's happy and goes back to normal. And that's actually a wrong assumption. It turns out. Von Vector did this research where he followed college graduates in Canada after major recessions, and he found that once they had jobs, they made less money than people who graduated before the recession hit. So that's not surprising. But here's the scary thing he found: they kept making less money. And so, even if the economy would bounce back in the next year,、um, the persistence would still be sort of, you know, ten to fifteen years. Ten to fifteen—that hurts you for ten to fifteen years. Right, it can take quite a long time. Yes. So this was really surprising to me. Ten to fifteen years—that means it takes at least a decade for your earnings to catch up to where they would have been otherwise if you didn't happen to graduate during a recession. Yeah, this totally shocked me. I mean, I always assumed that this was all about jobs. You know, a young person wants a job, they can't get that job during the recession, and so they just wait. And eventually, the recession ends, and they get their job. You know, end of story. But von Wagner is saying that's not the way it works. When someone graduates during a recession, they make compromises. You know, they don't go for their dream job. Maybe they settle for a smaller firm that pays a little less, or they move to a smaller city, or or they start a different career that pays a lot less. So when the jobs come back, they are literally on a different career ladder, one with a lot more rungs. <laughs> and the professor has a very technical term for people like Max in his paper. Unlucky. The children of a recession are simply unlucky. A lot of, of economics thinks of individuals, be, individuals being in charge of most of their lives and being able to steer their, say, at least their economic outcomes. What we find is that be luck, good luck and bad luck, can lead to very long-lasting effects. Yeah, I have to say, I, I hate the idea of this research. I hate the idea that it just has to do with what year you graduate, how much you earn over the course of your life. But nobody likes that. Especially Americans are, are really like the idea that they're they're in charge of their lives and careers. And and actually, most people I think believe that the American labor market is extremely forgiving. That you know, a job loss or an unlucky initial start will fade as long as you work hard enough. That turns out not to be true on average. Some、uh, recover eventually, but some also never recover. You know who says never recovers? Liberal arts majors, brace yourselves. For the English major、uh, from a, from a lower or lasting school, it's never going to happen. Wait, ev- ever, ever, ever. So that's actually a striking finding of our study that there are some groups that never will recover. Robert, were you an English major? No, I was not an English major. <laughs> I was a psychology major, much more profitable. But you know, I did graduate during recession, and 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 I understand why you hate this idea now because you were one of the lucky ones. You graduated during the the mid two thousands. It was a boom time, and I'm not not saying you didn't have great radio skills, but it was easier for you. Now I graduated in nineteen eighty nine. I was coming into the ninety ninety one recession, and and when I look at my paycheck now, I know I was just unlucky. It wasn't my fault. I just graduated in the wrong year. Well, I don't know about that theory. At least the part about me and my prodigious radio skill.、Oh. But this isn't about us. This is about Alice and Max, and I think I. Guess now it is the time that we need to decide who's lucky and who's not. Alice, if it ever came to the point where 
you were directly competing with your grandson for a job. Would you step aside? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, I, no contest. Max, would you step aside? Um, I think it really depends on the job, but yeah, I probably would, like if she really needed it, because I mean, I have plenty of opportunities and stuff like that ahead. Well, the good news is that you both got the job (laughs) as the Planet Money Indicator. The bad news is that it only lasts a few more seconds, the job. (laughs) So we need you to end this story for us. This Um, might be tough. Closure is hard for us. Uh, One, two, three. For NPR News, I'm Max Spencer. I'm Alice Terry, NPR News, Hillsborough, North Carolina. Fantastic. (laughs) Now we're going to have to let you go. Thank you so much. Like, literally, you don't have this job anymore. <laughs> I guess it's just you and me, Hannah. <laughs> okay. On the blog, our robot economy. We don't have jobs for teenagers, but it turns out we do have jobs for robots. And you can see them in action on our blog, npr.org money. And all you English majors can send your exquisitely written semicolon-laced complaint <laughs> letters to planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Robert Smith. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening. Tremble for yourself, my man. You know that you have seen this all before. Tremble, little lion man. You'll never settle any of your scores. Your grace is wasted in your face. Your boldness stands alone among the wreck. Now learn from your mother or I'll spend your days biting your own neck. But it was not your fault. 